the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Come on in. Yeah, with everything that's uh, going on in the world right now, you would think that knowing who's crossing our borders is a pretty important thing, and that's kind of why we have an agency called the Department of Homeland Security. Four people from that agency dropped by the Senate yesterday, including Cardell Morant, whose title is, are you ready, Director for the Center Countering Human Trafficking. Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana had some questions. Morant was the only one who had any answer, and it didn't go well. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Mr. Morant, um, since President Biden's been president, how many non-American citizens have come into our country illegally or on the basis of a claim of asylum? Thank you, Senator. Um, HSI as an investigative agency is... Uh, how, how, do you know the number? No, Senator. You're a senior member of Homeland Security, are you not? That's correct. Does anybody know the number? None of you know the number. Try 8 million. Now, of that 8 million, how many were children, Mr. Morant? I don't have that number. You don't know. Does anybody know? None of you know. Isn't that special? Let's assume half. Okay. 8 million is four Nebraskas. Right? Four new states. Let's assume, I don't think it's as high, half of them are children. How many of the, how many of those eight million people are still here? Do any of you know? Okay. Um, how many, how many of those eight million are claiming asylum? You don't know? How many of them claim asylum and don't show up for their hearing? Nobody knows? How many of them claim asylum, don't show up for the hearing, and President Biden has deported them? You don't know? How, how many of them have claimed asylum, shown up for their asylum hearing, and been denied asylum and been deported? You don't know. No, they don't. Gives you a lot of confidence, doesn't it? Might be time to load up on guns and ammo. Uh, in our second half hour, we're going to have someone with some numbers on how many Russian and Chinese foreign nationals have come across this year. But when we come back after this break, Jeffrey McCall, communications professor at DePaul University, to talk about the media's coverage of the big stories of the last two weeks. Stick around.
Well, one thing about the non-conservative media, uh, they don't provide many surprises, and they seem to have done what you would expect on some huge stories over the last couple of weeks. Jeffrey McCall is a professor of communications at DePaul University and media critic for The Hill and a regular guest on the show, and he joins us now. Jeff, thanks for coming on. So uh, did anything surprise you in the coverage of Israel or the Speaker of the House? (laughs) Well, not particularly. You know, we can kind of anticipate what the narrative is going to be in most cases. Uh, It has been very surprising, I think, to kind of show, uh, particularly in the coverage of the Middle East, uh, how much sympathy there is uh, for the terrorist organization, Hamas. And I think it's been very confusing for listeners that most of the news coverage has kind of uh, considered Hamas to be the Palestinian people. And I think it's very important that we distinguish between the Palestinian people and the the terrorist organization Hamas, which happens to kind of operate out of the Gaza. So I haven't been too surprised in the coverage. In the Speaker of the House coverage, it's been interesting to note that almost all of the narrative is just what chaos there has been uh, in the Republican Party. And I must say, uh, there has been a certain amount of chaos and confusion, but it hasn't been to the kind of nature that the, the news media would make us think that somehow uh, the entire Congress is falling apart. And I must say, for your average American, uh, being without a speaker for a couple of weeks hasn't affected any of us. And many, many people might be just as glad that Congress isn't doing that much when you get right down to it. So we kind of have these prefab narratives put in place and the media doesn't disappoint, in a sense. Uh, they usually follow through with the narratives they have made in advance. And one last thing I'd say, like to say about the coverage of the Speaker of the House process uh, or inaction over the last couple of weeks is whenever any one individual Republican emerged as the possible next speaker, they immediately got put uh, within the crosshair, so to speak, of the establishment media about all of their flaws and failings and how divisive and polarizing they were. Yep. So it didn't, it didn't matter whose name was floated out. It could have been anybody, uh, and they would have still gotten the same treatment. And, and even the, the, the new speaker now has been the subject of a lot of criticism. And I'm thinking, well, this is a guy who's really been pretty much off the radar and is not that well known, but suddenly now, you know, he's as bad as Jim Jordan or Steve Scalise or any of the other people who were put up before. And I think that's the sad thing is that the the establishment media seems unwilling to want to try to assess and evaluate each prospective speaker candidate as they came up and fell off the radar independently. They were all kind of equally bad or equally tarnished because uh, they were Republicans when you get right down to it. Yeah. So here here's um, and by the way, I'm doing just fine Uh now that there's a Speaker of the House today, just didn't seem a whole lot different from when I woke up yesterday, but that's just me. Um, but here, here are some, uh, some good headlines that I saw. Uh, New York Times, Johnson played leading role in effort to overturn 2020 election. CNN Politics, new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, once wrote in support of the criminalization of gay sex. Rolling Stone, the new House Speaker is far right is a far right extremist who helped plot 2020 coup. Uh, let's see who else we got here. Vanity Fair, Mike Johnson tried to help Donald Trump steal an election. He's now Speaker of the House. 
Uh, MSNBC, desperate GOP turns to election denier in race for House Speaker. That's just a few. I have others, but um, that pretty well sums it up, doesn't it? It sums it up, and 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 those are examples of what I was saying. You know, the narrative is established, and then whatever name gets floated gets put into the narrative. And I must just say this. If Mike Johnson were a leading uh, you know, proponent of the election problems you know, four years ago, uh, why is it that nobody ever heard of him until just this week when all of a sudden his name emerged as a possible speaker candidate? If he was one of the leading people trying to overthrow the results of the election, uh, he did it very surprisingly by, by, by being co- totally behind the scenes. And if he, if he were such a leading uh, advocate of turning over the election, you would have thought somebody would have identified him or heard of him before now. And that was just really not the case. Well, you know, uh, also, he's a Republican. And I think the polls show that the vast majority of Republicans believe that the election was stolen or at least desperately needed to be challenged. So uh, he's the choice of that's kind of how it works, isn't it? He he represents the people he's supposed to be representing. Well, absolutely. And I must say, um, the election is a couple of years behind us now. There's a lot of water under the bridge since then. But I think even reasonable people can look back at that time and say there was a lot of confusion and a lot of questions to be raised and that people raised those questions or challenged the established narratives uh, should not be necessarily a reason to condemn them or label them extremists. And I know you and I've talked about this before, but even, you know, seven years after the 2016 election, almost half of all Democrats still believe that Hillary should have been the legitimately elected president in 2016. So there's a lot of election confusion and a lot of people who are not happy with the outcome of elections, and we don't necessarily label them all as extremists or election deniers. Sometimes people have legitimate reasons to raise questions. And the fact that he was one of those people raising questions or challenging the results doesn't necessarily mean he's an extremist or a kook. That, that maybe he just wanted to kind of represent the interests of his constituents, who I'm sure were contacting his office and saying, what's going on with this election? We want to make sure that things were handled fairly. And I mean, we're not, nobody's going to change the outcome of 2020 election or the 2016 election at this point. But I do think it's, it's certainly allowed constitutionally for people to challenge establishment narratives and establish whatever the accepted opinion is. That's why we have a First Amendment in the first place. Yeah, and it's interesting. Uh, Somebody put up a screenshot yesterday of Hakeem Jeffries, who's the minority leader, um, uh, a screenshot of him from 2016 or 17, saying that, uh, that Donald Trump is not a legitimate president, this election was stolen, and... That, that's on the top of the screen. On the bottom is a recent uh, tweet that he put out saying that th- this uh, new Speaker of the House is an election denier and, sh- and should have been disqualified from becoming Speaker of the House. Now, that's just politics, and those people have no shame when it comes to that. But, you know, a, a good headline would have been, if you want to be fair, not that they do, but if they wanted to be fair, they could say, uh, the House of Representatives is now um, led by two people who have, have uh, who could be legitimately referred to as election deniers. That would be a fair yeah, headline, you, but that's not going to happen. You're, exa- 
you're exactly right. If Mike Johnson is going to be labeled as such, uh, Hakeem Jeffries needs to be in the same category. And I remember actually in 2016 when Hakeem Jeffries was one of the people standing up and saying that Trump was an illegitimate president. And, you know, you were talking about those headlines in the kind of mainstream media outlets criticizing Johnson. Uh, and, and when you think about this, it, it, it draws to mind uh, the, the recent survey that just came out from Gallup, the polling organization, Gallup Polling. Mm-hmm. Their most recent results show that the percentage of Americans who now have confidence in the media has dropped to an all-time low. And think about this. Only 32% of Americans now say that they have any confidence in the mainstream media reporting fairly and accurately. And that's that's basically only a third of all Americans. And just for context, if you go back to 1983, that number was almost 70%. So we have a, a cataclysmic drop in the number of people who have confidence in the news media and one of the reasons people, I think, have lost confidence in the news media is that they sense the news media always wants to have its thumb on the scales and that they always want to activate or advocate, I should say, for a particular point of view and mm-hmm. to push people into their ideas rather than to report the news and let people have their own ideas. And the saddest thing here is that when people don't have confidence in the media, they are going to stop following the media. They are going to stop absorbing news. And I know we've chatted about this before, but a recent study from the Pew Research Center shows that the percentage of Americans who now say that they closely follow the news at all is down to 38%. And I must say, a self-governing society just has to be well-informed of the matters of the day. Mm -hmm. And when only 30% of Americans are even following the news, we can safely assume, I think, that the majority of Americans now are not well-informed or just fed up that they are not interested anymore. And what's really weird is to think that most of this decline is amongst people who are younger uh, Americans. Uh, Among Americans ages 30 to 49, only 27% of Americans now follow the news at all. Yeah, all and of the them, rest of them. Go ahead, sorry. The, the rest of them are just worried about uh, Taylor Swift and Beyonce. I was just going to tell you, say that they all could name all the Kardashians if you asked them. They could rattle them off. They'd have trouble uh, rattling off. Um, I don't know the 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 century that World War II took place in. But um, I also noticed that you know when when Mike Johnson was uh, elected uh, and installed as the Speaker of the House. Uh, it was common to, for him to be referred to as a right-wing guy, sometimes, as some of these other headlines I, sh- I pointed out, were uh, nasty. You know, uh, Mike Johnson tried to help Donald Trump steal an election, but they all, almost every single one referred to him as right-wing. But I don't remember Nancy Pelosi ever being referred to as a radical left-winger, ever, by anybody, other than Fox or, you know, conservative media. You raise a great point, and labeling uh, and naming is a very interesting rhetorical strategy, and it's used in a way to kind of help create uh, abstract kinds of notions uh, that we can label onto people without necessarily having to explain how they got them. So labeling is a very powerful position, and you're exactly right. It's fine for the establishment media to label what they call right-wing people, but you've never heard 
people on the left, you know, like Adam Schiff or any of those people labeled as extreme left wing people for any particular reason. And I think that's a very dangerous thing. And it does give away the notion that the establishment media is an activist organization, as we've talked about before. Mm -hmm. And that, again, gets back to this notion of why people don't have confidence in the media, because they see the labels and rhetorically they can sense that the media is trying to push an agenda rather than to report information to us and inform us as citizens. And I think it's very bad, and it, 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 it doesn't look good for the future of the nation when we think of people who are not following the news, when we think of the people who are supposed to be providing us facts who are unwilling to do that in a fair and objective way. And then you wonder, well, where are people going to get information? Well, they're going to get it from some guy at the bar, or they're going to get it from some cluck on Instagram, and that means that as a nation, we are not going to be very well informed. Right. And um, we're talking to Jeff McCall. We have a couple minutes left here. He's a professor of communications at DePaul University. Or he also writes about the media for The Hill. So the Associated Press is everywhere. They're, every news outlet everywhere uses that service. And their style book now tells reporters not to refer to Hamas as terrorists because the subject is, quote, intense and terms should be, quote, more precise. Same with the Voice of America. They came out with the same thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, at a certain point, you've got to call, you know, a particular action what it actually is. And, I mean, there's no doubt that Hamas is a terrorist organization. I mean, maybe the Associated Press doesn't want to define it as that, but what else would you call it? I mean, if you define the actions and say, okay, here are the actions that they have carried out, what does that constitute? Well, it constitutes act of terror. And what do you call people who carry out acts of terror? I would presume that means terrorists. Right. Uh, and, and the Associated Press, you know, generally speaking, I have respect for the Associated Press. It's it's a the, the nation, the world's largest news gathering organization. But I must say this: I think they are now being led by people who are more and more concerned about political correctness and and actually fear the online mobs. And it is worth noting. There is a, an, an organization called All Sides Media, which rates media organizations by their political slants, their political tendencies. The Associated Press used to be, for many years, right in the middle of this rating service in terms of not being left or not being right. But just recently, All Sides Media has moved the Associated Press to leans left. And this is an indication of why that has happened. Yeah, and I only have 30 seconds left, but I, I, you meant everybody talked about the Associated Press, but the Associated Press can't do anything. There are people who work there who make these decisions, and I never hear who these people are. Do you? I got about 20 seconds. Well, the Associated Press is a member cooperative of all of its member uh, organizations, which would include newspapers and TV yeah. stations around the country, but they are generally nameless, faceless. It's not like NBC where you know Lester Holt's in charge. Yeah, yeah, it stinks. Well, hey, Jeff, uh, we could go on, but I'm out of time. I really appreciate you coming on. We'll talk soon. Thanks very much. Okay, that's Jeff McCall of DePaul University. We'll be right back. Well, if you were listening at the top of the show, you heard Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana getting nose and blank stares when he was asking some people from Homeland Security for some numbers on the number of illegals that have been crossing the southern border lately. Virginia Allen, senior news producer at the Daily Signal, has plenty of numbers. She joins us now. Virginia, thanks for coming on. 
It's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for having me. So did you, I just, I just uh, mentioned that uh, the, the John Kennedy thing. Have you happened to see that? I miss that. No, that's that's wild. Well, just uh, you can go on Twitter anywhere you want to go and check it out. Just it's it's hilarious. He asked them just simple questions about the numbers of people coming across, and uh, the one guy is um, the only guy who answered it all. And he said no to both questions. If he, you know, how, when he asked him about does he know the numbers of people, uh, Cardell Morant is his name, and uh, he he couldn't answer any question. But anyway, they, they they've been. Uh, They've been breaking records on the southern border all year. And according to your story, Russian and Chinese foreign nationals are well represented. That's right. That's right. Well, and these are public numbers that anyone has access to. If you go to cbp.gov, there's a whole chart there. And you can look at how many individuals have crossed the southern border, the northern border, at ports of entry. You can look at where they're from, the nationality. And so I I delved into specifically looking at Russian nationals and Chinese nationals and how many have crossed America's border or been encountered, rather, on America's border within the last fiscal year. And so if you look specifically uh, at at Russian nationals, there's 57,163 foreign nationals just within a 12-month period. And then when you look at Chinese nationals, we're up to 52,700. And I think, you know, numbers, these can sound, they're large, of course, but what's really important is to look at the comparison to what we saw in previous years. Even going back one year, these are really significant jumps. Over 20,000 more Russian nationals this year compared to last year. Nearly 25,000 more Chinese nationals this year compared to last year. The question that I would have for the Biden administration, for those at Customs and Border Protection, at Homeland Security, is why are we seeing this massive yeah. increase right now? Yeah, and, and there are encounters, and then there are people who actually crossed, and I guess there are gotaways. Are records being set on all three of those categories? Records are being set on all three, on every front. So if you look at total encounters uh, in fiscal year 2023, which goes from October 1st, 2022 through September 30th, 2023, there were over 3.2 million individuals encountered on America's borders and ports of entry. That does not include gotaways. We know that there were estimated to be um, within, I think, the last 26 months of the Biden administration, 1.7 million known gotaways. So those are individuals, when we talk about known gotaways, those are people who cross the border and Border Patrol catches them on camera. Um, They uh, trigger sensors, but Border Patrol can't physically get to them fast enough to intercept them. So those go in a category of known gotaways. They've crossed the border, but we couldn't get to them in time. Then there's an unknown number of people that are unknown gotaways who cross the border completely undetected and who have entered the country. And some estimates are that there's as many of as five unknown gotaways to every one known. But we just have absolutely no way of knowing that. Well, that would put you at about eight million um, gotaways. That's that's yeah. pretty scary. It is scary. It is scary. I mean, I was really, I was just looking at some numbers and increases. So if you look specifically at the southern border and um, encounters from those from Russia, 
over the past fiscal year, um, specifically the southern border from Russia, there's uh, 43,210. That is almost a 100% increase from 2020, the final year of the final full fiscal year of the Trump administration. So, and this has just exploded. And I think you know, the, the message has gotten out that I've, I've had the privilege of being down at the southern border multiple times. And you know, I, in a matter of uh, you know an hour, met individuals from nine different countries. You know, people around the world understand that if you want to get into the country quickly and easily, all you have to do is arrive on the border and say, "I'm here to claim asylum," and you're paroled into the country. And all of the data, the investigation that lawmakers are doing, all points to that fact. So we focus mostly on the southern border. Um, What's the difference between the I cross the Canadian border all the time, and um, it can be you can be in a long line there at customs and wonder what's going on. But it, you know you're never going to be stuck there more than forty five minutes or an hour most of the time. So um, why is the southern border so uh, popular and not so much the northern borders, Buffalo and uh, and uh, Niagara Falls, New York up there, and Detroit? Why is why is it so popular on the South? Yeah, well, I think there's a couple of different factors, and I'll, I'll note that we've seen record increases at the northern border as well. That's nice. Uh, so you know they're they're seeing the same flood. It's just the numbers are fewer, um, and I think the main reason for that is because of the cartels in Mexico. The cartels in Mexico control the border on the Mexican side, and they are making a lot of money by bringing people across the border and they you know they have a fee that they charge if you're from if you're from mexico or you're from honduras you're going to be paying a lot less than folks from china or russia who some estimate they're having to pay as much as as 30 grand to be brought across the border but the cartel kind of works it out it's a business model it really is for the cartel where you know they say okay you you fly into this city in Mexico or whatnot, and then we will we will get you across the border. We'll explain where you need to go and and all of that. And you don't have that cartel presence uh, in Canada. And so um, the the Canadian border is seeing, like I said, it, it is seeing that increase, but it doesn't have the same uh, cartel stronghold that you have on the southern border, where the cartels are taking full advantage of this current situation. There was a time when you heard that people were coming here from Russia or China. You didn't really feel that badly about it. You're actually kind of happy in some ways because you felt like it was nice to be the place where people could escape from communist uh, countries. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, But now it doesn't seem the same way. It's a uh, for some reason, I'm not happy to see the Chinese nationals getting in here. Why is that? Well, you know, I think there's a question mark over motive. And I, I think probably the majority of individuals uh, from China or any other country who are crossing the border, they have good intentions. They're seeking a better life. But, you know, it only takes one or two folks with bad intentions. And we've seen that uh, numbers of those on America's terrorist watch list encountered at the border, those numbers have risen right alongside the other numbers. 
And so it's really concerning that, uh, you know, in, in a day and age where it's no secret that there is tension between China and America and tension is rising. Of course, there's tension between Russia and America. Um, and so then to see it that exact same time where you see this geopolitical tension rising to see border crossings also rise, uh, I think it just kind of, it, it makes you pause, but it, more than anything, I think the, the answer is just, okay, well, we need to be doing due diligence on those who are trying to cross and they need to be doing so legally, right? You know, we, we are a nation of immigrants. We're, we're proud of that, but you have to come to America illegally. And if your very first act in America is breaking the law, that doesn't exactly instill confidence in how you're going to act as a citizen within the United States of America. We're talking to Virginia Allen, senior news producer at The Daily Signal. You can find uh, her piece at uh, the thedailysignal.com, right? That's what it is. Um, yes, yes. Um, so I, you mentioned that they might pay something like $30,000 to a cartel to get them in the United States. So someone coming here from Russia, they have to they have to be able to afford to get here from Russia, which can't be cheap. Then they have to have $30,000 to give to the cartel to get them across. And then they get across and they're in a country where they may not speak the language or they don't speak it well. They don't have a job. They don't have a place to live. What's the attraction unless you are being sent here by some nefarious group to do bad things and they're and they're financing well, you? Sure, sure. I mean, I think the attraction, for one, um, is what attracts everyone to America, right? It's, it's the land of the free, the home of the brave. There's opportunity here. People know that. And so, like I said, you know, genuinely, I think so many people are coming here in the hopes of of experiencing what it's like to uh, to live in a country where you're free to say what you want to say, where you can pursue career opportunities, where you have hopes of your kids having a better future. Um, and at the same time, we also have to be very aware of the fact that uh, there is a narrative being put out and peddled specifically by the cartels to get customers, right? You know, for them, they view the people crossing the border as customers. And so, you know, they're, they're telling folks, oh, you know, yes, you can come to America. They'll give you a job. And so you have to assume the people who are crossing all the information that they've received is not likely completely okay. accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're being, they're being set up for failure. Um, and so, you know, that, that's a, a real element and it's a real tragedy. And then you have folks, you know, coming from South America who have very little money. And this is where, Concerns over human trafficking come in, um, indentured servitude, where you know people cross the border, they can't afford to pay the cartels, and the cartels say, well, that's okay, now you work for me. And forced labor, prostitution, uh, we know that that's happening within America, and we know that the cartels are playing a huge role in it. And how about Hamas and other Middle Eastern terrorist groups? What kind of numbers are Gosh. they coming over in? Yeah, you know... <laughs> We we would like to have numbers on that, and I, I think a lot of folks would like to have numbers. CBP, uh, the Biden administration, has not specifically you know released in detail any numbers as far as um, you know who for sure that we know 
uh, are associated with Hamas. Now, we, we do know numbers related to how many folks are on the terrorist watch list, but we just saw last week that the San Diego Field Office for Customs and Border Protection, they released an internal memo to their staff that was uh, leaked. The Daily Caller News Foundation was the first to report on this. And they leaked that, um, th- this memo that was leaked warned uh, Customs and Border Patrol agents that there could be individuals with associations to Hamas, Hezbollah, uh, Jihad, who are taking advantage of the situation at the border and who are crossing. And this was a warning to agents to, hey, be alert, be aware. These are the signs to look for, you know, look for military-aged men in camouflage, look for peculiar behavior. So and a memo like this, some folks are saying this could have been released in response to someone crossing the border who was associated with one of these terror organizations. We have no way of knowing that, uh, but that's the concern. But, but they do. I have seen some numbers that they have um, sh- uh, released about actual people who are on the terror watch list who they know that's have right. come across. Were that were they that are these people who have come uh, have been encountered, or are they are they gotaways, or is it ever is all uh, is it all of the above? So those are folks who have been encountered either at a port of entry or between a port of entry. Um, And yet we also know, uh, you know, that some of these folks, we're not sure how many were deported and how many uh, were allowed into the U.S. And I think hopefully all were deported. Um, but if you look at so far what CBP has reported for um, fiscal year 2023, there were 763 illegal aliens on America's terrorist watch list that were encountered uh, either at a port of entry or between a port of entry in fiscal year 2023. And, and so those, when we say terrorist watch list, those are people that either they, um, you know, maybe they themselves have engaged in terrorist activity. They could have a relative who's engaged in terrorist activities, so it, it can be somewhat, um, you know, removed from, from them. But they're folks that America knows, okay, we need to be aware of who this individual is, and we need to vet them very clearly. But, I mean, if you have 736 who have been caught, that begs the question, how many haven't been caught? And that's the real concern. Yeah, and it only, as, as many people have pointed out, it took 19 on September yeah. 11th. Yeah, it doesn't take many. Exactly. It doesn't take many. And so that's where, you know, the Biden administration really has a hefty job ahead of them um, to pick up the pace and actually work to secure the border because it's always been a national security issue. But now more than ever, the American people are aware of the fact that this is a major national security issue. And I think and we're finishing up here with Virginia Allen. I think, Virginia, that the only way this is going to get really get people's attention is if we do have some kind of a terrorist attack, and it's found out that these are guys who came over the border uh, down south during while all this uh, discussion has been going on. You know, I've, I've heard other people say that exact thing, and I pray that that's not the case. I, I pray that action is taken, and we can prevent that here in America. Um, but a situation like that certainly would um cause people to kind of wake up even more so and I think would uh, would spur action, further action from the Biden administration. Hey, Virginia, I really appreciate you coming on. Great work there. A lot of interesting numbers. You can find it at thedailysignal.com. Virginia Allen, thanks for coming on. Thanks so much. Appreciate you. Okay, we'll be right back.
Okay, so when I was uh, getting ready to have uh, Virginia Allen on the show, I came across uh, another piece that she had written. I didn't get a chance to talk to her about it uh, in our last segment, so I'll throw it out there today, or I, I mean right now. Um, this is a story about a guy named David Block, B-L-O-C-H. He was a snowboarding coach at a uh, at Woodstock Union High School in Woodstock, Vermont. That should tell you something about Woodstock, Vermont, by the way, that they have a snowboarding team and a and a coach. But he's been uh, he was coaching there for twelve years, and he loved his job and blah blah blah. Well, during a, a competition back in February, this guy Block overheard uh, some of his uh, kids discussing the issue of men competing against women in sports. So he, you know, just joined in the conversation, and he said, just threw in there, you know. Biological differences exist between men and women, and that generally, you know, males, uh, you know, kind of have a competitive advantage against females because of these differences. And he just, you know, figured that he was just throwing his two cents in there. Well, the next day, the superintendent of schools, not the principal, the school superintendent of Windsor Central Supervisory Union called Block into her office and fired him for the comments he had made the day before. Fired him for saying that. So he's now teaming up with Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, People from that organization have been on this show many times. And uh, he's trying to, I I don't know if he's trying to get his job back or I don't know what, suing them? He should sue them. I, I don't know. But this is... It's not just that he – it's one thing to you know put something up on Twitter or write a piece for a newspaper or for some kind of a blog or be interviewed on television or something. This was in a – I'm guessing as a semi-private conversation with just him and his uh, – between him and his, his students, his, uh, his, his um, snowboarders, and he, he just throws it in there, and somebody in that group – and this is where we are on the planet Earth right now. Somebody on that group heard a man say, you know, I think men have an advantage over women in sports, just physically, you know. And someone was so traumatized and or offended by that that they didn't just call the su- the principal, well, maybe they did, but it eventually got to the superintendent of schools who who got wind that this conversation had taken place and this coach had the nerve to say that and they fired him. It's it's beyond belief. And the stupidity uh, in women's sports and the whole transgender issue is you keep thinking that it's some at some point people are going to just say, okay, it's ridiculous. I saw a story the other day. I should have I had it here. I forgot about it. Just thinking of it now. There's a It's in Canada. There's a guy who's 50 years old, who now says he's a woman and he's been competing in swimming against 13- and 14-year-old girls and dressing in their locker room and they're letting him get away with it. That's where we are on planet Earth in 2023. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.